Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Jesus said to ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. That's what this morning is about. But first, we're going to go to a tomb. Jesus' friend, uh, Lazarus, had died. And Jesus went to Lazarus' home in Bethany and then stood outside the tomb. And once he was there, he told them, told Mary, Lazarus' sister and her sister Martha and the friends there, take away the stone. Take away the stone that covers the mouth of the cave that is Lazarus' tomb. And not surprisingly, the response of Martha, Lazarus' sister, is the similar response that probably we would have, but Lord, (laughs) but Lord, he has been dead for four days. The odor will be too bad. But Lord, take away the stone. Lord, no. Lord, why would you ask us to do this? Why would we want to smell the rot of the flesh of of our brother? Why would we want to go through this? Why would we want to relive what is already painful to us? We're already in the point of frustration that you, if you would come here sooner, Jesus, you could have healed him. Why are you asking us to do this now? Must we see the, dis- the decomposition? Must the, the smell be a cloud over us right now in the morning, the deep morning we already have? Why would you demand this? And then listen to Jesus' response. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? You'll see the majesty of God, the splendor of God, the beauty of God, the preeminence of God, that you would see it with your own eyes. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? First, there was the tension that Jesus hadn't come quick enough. Now there's the tension of, what do we do? What do we do? We knew he could have healed him, but now what do we do? Your brother's dead. He's decaying. This is outlandish. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. It's too much. What do you do? Well, really, it all depends on who Jesus is, and it depends on what you want to see. Did I not tell you? Meaning that Jesus had said this before, but this is the first time John is recording it for us to see. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And why would she believe? Why would they believe? As I said, Martha and Mary, they knew that if Jesus had just come in time, he could have healed Lazarus. And yet purposefully, when they sent the plea for help, Jesus delayed in returning. Jesus delayed in going. In fact, he told his disciples This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So that attention and affection may flow unto Jesus so that those who do not yet believe in him would believe in him. That that glory would become a spotlight on Jesus, that he is the one. He's the one all their hearts have been longing for, even if they couldn't name it. And so then he tells his disciples, In John chapter 11, verses 11 through 16, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. 
but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And by the time they arrived, as I told you, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. Four days he's been in a tomb. And Martha, Lazarus' sister, voices that frustration to Jesus. If only you had come, my brother would not have died. But I know even now God will do whatever you ask. And she doesn't say exactly even what she's asking. I don't even know if she knows what she's asking, what she may want. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And she starts thinking way future tense, the end of all things. I know my brother will, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. But Jesus responds, I, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God the one who is to come into the world. And then we basically run the whole scene back when Martha goes to get her sister Mary and Mary comes to Jesus. It's almost the exact same conversation, but this time ends with Jesus weeping and then actually walking to that tomb. It all depends on who Jesus is and what we want to see. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I mean, that question for years has been something that has rattled around inside my heart. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? What are the hard things that are dead in the world around me? What are the things that are impossible? What are the hard things that Jesus is asking of me that don't have easy answers and require a challenging obedience to take away that stone? And yet an obedience anchored in trusting who he is, not who I am. The beauty of what we just sang in this song that it's him, it's him. Again and again, it's him. We're not worthy. You think, I'm not worthy enough. Yes, and yet he did it anyway. That's the amazing thing. You couldn't have earned it. You couldn't have done it. There's nothing you could have stacked up, and yet he did it anyway. What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Do I believe him? Because if I believe him, I'll see God's glory. As was mentioned, I'm the Northeast Area Director, which means I oversee the existing Chi Alpha and the development of new Chi Alpha from West Virginia, Virginia, up through Maine, across these six districts. And I will freely admit I am an unlikely candidate for the role. I did not grow up in church. I did not grow up following Jesus. In fact, I followed a girl to church and then met Jesus there. And then Jesus led me back to that girl, and we eventually married. I gave my life to Jesus in 1990. Uh, Gave myself to my wife in 1995, uh, Heather, uh, who is around here somewhere, probably in the back. She was probably one of the ones standing earlier. Um, I was not a student in Chi Alpha, which is really bad for your resume for the Chi Alpha area director. (laughs) I was a student in another campus ministry, and I was a terrible small group leader. I guarantee if you're a small group leader, you're better than I was. And if you're in a small group, your small group leader is better than I was. I had one person in my small group the first year I led small group, and then he never came back after that. (laughs) My second year, I had four guys, three guys who were followers of Jesus, one guy who was not. We had great conversations once a week, the only time I ever saw them, because I was not a very good friend. And then they also did not return the following year. In fact, we got married. Uh, Heather graduated. I had one year left of college, and uh, I told my campus director, 
hey, I just got married and I'm going to my last year of chemical engineering and we have all these big projects. I can't be involved anymore. He said, okay. And that was it. I left. Um, over time, we made our way to New Hampshire for my wife to go to graduate school. We made our way back to West Virginia where we were originally from and our church had launched this Chi Alpha. And we just started volunteering, looking for a place to serve. And over time, as we started volunteering, God just stirred our hearts. And we left this job in engineering to come on staff with this church and do Chi Alpha. So I did not go the Chi Alpha missionary route. I went on staff with the church. I never did an internship, which is bad, especially when you become an internship director and you have not done one. (laughs) Um, It took me about six years of leading Chi Alpha to learn what I could have learned in 10 months of an internship. But hey, you know, school of hard knocks. I will say I was a much better uh, small group leader as a 31 and 32-year-old than I ever was as a 20-year-old or 19-year-old or 21-year-old. Fifteen years after leading Chi Alpha at Fairmont State, I was asked to become the area director, but I'd never been a district director in Chi Alpha, which is there are six district directors in the Northeast. So I didn't even know what district directors actually did, let alone what an area director did. None of it made sense. And plus, I live in West Virginia, which is the least Northeastern of all states in the Northeast. Let's be honest. You're laughing because you recognize it as well. It's not like I'm centrally located uh, to any of this. And the campus that I was on is Fairmont State. Let's go. Hey, and you guys know Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, greatest Olympian of all time. His mom graduated from Fairmont State. (laughs) So we're not known for much. But in God's eyes, as Francis Schaeffer has said, uh, and I, I quote it with a laugh, in, in, uh, in the kingdom of God, there are no little people in no little places. So in God's economy, he's like, all right, we'll put him as area director. It makes the least sense possible. My reference point has always been Fairmont State, a little less than 4,000 students. There's 185 campuses in the northeast of 4,000 or more students. Chi Alpha separates the nation into eight geographic areas. That's 60 more campuses than are in the southeast. It's double the number of campuses in the Great Lakes. It's three and a half times the number of campuses in the Great Plains and the West Coast. It's six and a half times the number of campuses in the Big Sky. It's seven and a half times the number of campuses in the Pacific Northwest where Paul is from. Hey, one of the first times I met Paul, we jumped off a bridge together. You can ask us about that later. It's two times the number of campuses in South Central where most of the largest campuses of Chi Alpha, most of the largest Chi Alpha groups in the nation are in South Central. In fact, several of the groups that have been pioneered in the last uh, five years in the Northeast are from South Central. So they would have normally been at the South Central Salt where there had been 2,200 in attendance this year. We are at one quarter of that. And it's not because I want big numbers, but there is a disparity there that recognizes a reality 185 campuses and yet a quarter, a quarter of the number of people here than at South Central Salt. We have four of the six largest urban concentrations of college students in the nation. New York City, the financial capital of the nation. Boston, arguably the academic capital of the nation. Let's go. Philadelphia, the historic capital of our nation. In fact, this is the first, the first capital of America was in Philadelphia. And then, of course, D.C., the political capital of our nation. The only two other cities in America in the top six are Chicago and L.A. We have four out of the top six in the Northeast, in this one geographic area. There is a disparity here. The Northeast is starved for the glory of God. And I want to see it. Do you? Don't you? And you're here. 
You're here. You've seen at least some of this. How did you get here? I'm not talking about you came down the elevator, up the escalator, down the steps this morning, or you took a plane, train, or automobile to get to Philly. But how in your journey did you end up here at Salt? You ended up here at Salt because somebody got burdened, because somebody said they have to know, they have to hear. And that student said that because some staff person left where they were and said they have to know, they have to hear at that campus. The opportunity for you came because someone got burdened. What opportunity exists? What burden exists in your heart? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Somebody so sincerely trusted Jesus that they got caught up in the vision that Isaiah had in Isaiah 33, 17, your eyes will see the king in his beauty and view a land that stretches afar, the kingdom of God expansive out. That's my hope for the Northeast. You know, of those 185 campuses, we have Chi Alpha on 18%. It's the worst percentage in, in Chi Alpha Nation. <laughs> you're, like, you're a pretty bad area director then, obviously. <laughs> it's the same way for every other national campus ministry. The Northeast is the worst. Take away the stone. But Lord, the Northeast is dead. The odor. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So what did Martha, Mary, and their friends and family do? Six simple words. They took away, so they took away the stone. They risked the smell of death. They risked the embarrassment. They risked the ridiculous. They risked the confusion. They risked the impossible. They believed Jesus, even when they weren't sure what was going to happen. They knew who he was. They wanted to see his glory. They, and then Jesus lifts his eyes in his head. He prays aloud. And then the next thing he says to ensure that every human around could hear, to ensure that every principality and demon around could hear, and to ensure that every dead person that may be listening would, would know who Jesus is talking to. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Or else who knows well, who else would have come out too. But he says, Lazarus, come out. And this dead man walks out of the tomb, and then Jesus, in his awesome way, says, says uh, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He's not dressed for the right party, right? Take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's pretty glorious. For some of you, that's why you're here. You're dead men walking. You're dead women walking, right? He's called you out of, uh, out of darkness and into light. He's touched and transformed your lives. For others of you, you may have came already and you were following Jesus, but you're like, man, I want to be on the grave clothes removal crew. I want to see his glory again and again in people's lives. Your story is glorious. Your changed life is glorious. Death to life is glorious. I don't know about you, but I want to see his glory. I long to see his glory in the Northeast. There is a disparity that is uncomfortable to me. I long to see his glory. The whole point of this morning is basically to challenge you, to ask you to consider, would you be willing? Would you be willing to take what God is doing in you and through you on your campus and take it to another? Sometimes I wonder if Jesus stands at the door of the Northeast and says, take away the stone and is waiting on this campus, on this campus, on this campus, on this campus for someone to roll it away. For someone to roll it away. But in the Northeast, I know, haven't we moved past Jesus? Isn't it too post-Christian? Isn't it too hard? Aren't there too many distractions? Aren't there too many other things that people are focused on? Isn't that just a past thing, not a present reality or a future potential? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? What God has done, even for those Chi Alphas that have just started in the last few years, he wants to repeat in other places. 
He wants his glory known, not because he's some greedy being, but because he knows it is imperative for the transformation of lives. I became a follower of Jesus at 17. And I, I had never thought about ministry prior to that. I thought about maybe, maybe if I could uh, get a little better, maybe a professional baseball player. Pastor did not come in the list, ever. But then I started following Jesus, and I, I, I tossed around the idea. One more, I remember one morning, we lived in New Hampshire at the time. We had overslept for church, and I so was gripped with this concern. Have I missed your calling into ministry, God, that I wept? I was, just, I was just so broken. I, was, I wanted to do it right so bad. I wanted to not do it wrong so bad that I was weeping. And God in his patience and kindness said, you just be faithful to me where you are now. That word carries me today. You just be faithful to God where you are now. Will you be faithful to God on your campus? Will you be faithful to God with your friends? You be faithful to God where you are now. That'll carry you. It has carried me into the role I'm in now. You just be faithful. You take the next step of faithfulness to God. Now, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. So we're going to need to dismiss for, uh, for breakouts here in just a minute. There are a couple of different things I want us to do in response this morning. The first one is I want us to pray. On each of your chairs, you have a little, uh, a little card. There's a different one. There's actually six of these, six different ones. One for each district, each Chi Alpha district in the Northeast. And on the back of each card, it has the top three prayer targets that the, um, as myself and the district directors talked, that they asked for on their, their cards. And for the next 60 seconds, I want you to take your card. This is going to be a concert of prayer, us praying for the campuses that are on the back of our card, that God's glory may be declared, that God would raise up laborers for those places. All right, that's what we're going to do right now for the next 60 seconds. So I just begin praying. God, we come before you. Jesus, we need you. God, we need you on these campuses. Lord Jesus, I particularly pray for Maryland, for the University of Maryland College Park. I pray for, for William and Mary. I pray for Bowie State, God. Lord, on these campuses, God, you would do what has not been done yet. God, that you would establish your kingdom, that your kingdom would come in glory and righteousness, that you would transform lives. The very things that we prayed about and sung about a few minutes ago that have happened in our own lives, we desire to happen in students' lives on these campuses. God, the tens of thousands of students that are represented here. God, the international students from so many nations that are represented here on these campuses. We pray for your glory to be made known. God, we ask you, the Lord of the harvest, you say the harvest is plentiful. So God, would you send forth laborers into your harvest field in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The second thing I'm gonna ask you is I'm gonna be ask you, I'm gonna ask you to be faithful where you are. To be faithful where you are. Your life is not about you, it is about Jesus. And the beautiful thing is the more you focus on him, the more you actually discover about yourself. And then the more he reveals about you, the better you get to know him. It's this glorious thing of following him. You be faithful. Some of you are like me. You so want to do it right that you're so always caught up in, what if I mess up? What if I screw it up? What if I don't do it perfect? You be faithful where you are now. He's a really good leader. He's a really good leader. Look at the disciples. They weren't all the best followers. And if he can lead them, he can lead you. You be faithful to him right where you are right now. And that may be even just following up on the response that Paul led us through last night with respect to your desire, your direction, and your decision. The third thing that every staff and student in here 
I want you to do is at some moment you're going to be conflicted. At some moment there's going to be a point of tension, a sense when Jesus is asking you to do something that doesn't make sense, that seems impossible, that is stronger and bigger maybe than you have ever dealt with before. And in that moment I want you to take away the stone. When that thing comes, I want you to take away the stone. I remember shortly after I had left engineering and went into ministry, it was a significant financial change for our family. And one of the older fellows at our church said, I could never do what you were doing. He's totally talking about the money. But I had been struck by the saying in the Bible, obedience is better than sacrifice. And God had started to stir something to me that to obey Jesus, which is love, that's what Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. To obey him did something in me that it just began more and more to feel like less and less of a sacrifice. Right now, we look at some of these things and they're like, if I roll away that stone, I'm going to look like a moron. Obedience is better than sacrifice. There's something in the obedience that God changes our hearts, changes our hearts. And the last thing is, before I pray to close this out, I want you, this is for students particularly, I want you to ask a staff person here that you see, anybody with a lanyard, somebody from your own staff team, why are they doing Chi Alpha? Why are you doing this thing? Why would you leave other opportunities? Because I would say probably 95% of, it could made, 95% of them could have made more money in something else. Um, maybe 5% could, but 95% could. <laughs> It's not about the money. <laughs> but what was it that God did in them? What was that journey? I want to pray for us to close us out, and then I'm going to dismiss us to our electives. Jesus, you said, you said, Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. You told us to ask you, the Lord of the harvests, to send forth laborers into your harvest field. So I ask, I ask, Lord, out of these men and women, God, I'm thankful for the people that have come, that are in this room, that have come from other places into the Northeast. But these men and women that are in the Northeast, God, would you send forth laborers from them? Do the work you need to do in them now, Lord. Help them to be faithful to you where they are now. And some of them will be like me. <laughs> they probably won't be good candidates. But in their faithfulness to you, Jesus, and in your faithfulness to them, would you so work something out in their hearts and lives that it just becomes clear that they just follow you, they follow you, and then they find themselves in this position of loving you, Jesus, loving students, and say, why else would I do anything else? Some of them, God, will be called to give. Some of them, God, will be called to pray. Some of them, God, will be called to do an internship and then go with a pioneering team and work in the marketplace and be a volunteer and be a friend to that team. And some of them, God, you're gonna call into ministry, into campus ministry. So God, I, I just pray your grace over every person here. We submit ourselves to you. And I ask God, I ask God that you would stir hearts. That this moment, God, we can look back five, 10, 20 years from now God, and we would know that you did something that was historic in the Northeast. So would you do it, Lord? We depend upon you. And God, at the end of the day, all we want to see is your glory. Not for the name of Chi Alpha to be great, but for Jesus to be great. We love you, Lord. We pray all this, Jesus, in your awesome name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.